One of the things to remember about using technology and learning to use technology is there's a skill involved that we forget when we become adults. I'm assuming that I'm talking to adults. I definitely am aiming these videos at adults. And when we become older, we lose the concept of play. And one of the things I learned early on in my uh, use of technology, not the real early use of technology, but when I was a classroom teacher, was that you needed to allow kids time to play. We know now that learning is experiential. We refer to it as constructivist, meaning we make sense and learn from our experiences. When children are young, we give them toys to play with. And many of those toys today have a dual function. Some of them, they, they all want to engage the child in fun activities, in fun play, but they help children learn shapes and control and sorting and building. That's what Montessori is all about. The Montessori school system is all about providing children with opportunities to explore the environment and learn as a result. So we know that when children play, they are learning things about their environment. What we need to do as adults is help them take what they're experiencing and internalize it and make it new, deep learning. That's what we mean by constructivist education. We're helping children to construct new concepts, new models, new skills. So what does this have to do with technology? One of the earliest pieces of software that... Uh, was created was created by a company called Mindstorms. It was Logo. It was a special computing program invented by Seymour Papert. And what children learned was how to inform a mouse or an icon to move around the screen and create designs and pictures. And they learned that they could write commands and then the, the computer would execute those commands. In actual fact, that's the beginning of programming. Telling a mouse to move to the right or to the left and make a choice, and then to the right and to the left and make another choice, and, and so on. But with, with Logo, I began to play with it, so I understood what it was capable of. 
what I could learn from it and apply to my classroom. And so I had to play with the commands and play with the operations so that I then understood how my students could play and then learn. A little bit later on, we had a new program called Where in the World is Carmen Santiago? And if you're of a certain age, you know exactly what that program was all about. Moving from screen to screen and looking for clues. There are all kinds of games that kids play today online that have exactly the same goal, to play and explore. How does that apply to you as a parent helping a child learn to use a piece of software to learn math skills or reading skills or music or whatever? You have to begin from ground zero and assume that the only way you're going to be able to get something out of this program is first to be able to play with it. Sometimes it doesn't take very long and other times it does. I remember being in the library where I had my computers and the grade eights coming to the library to buy, to get books, to do research and to play, play on the computers. And then I decided to buy access through the school board to this particular piece of software that allowed them to put together videos and integrate pictures and sounds. I had no idea what was going to come about. As a teacher, I couldn't say at the end of this period, the students will be able to, but I knew that they needed to go through that process of playing. I had a long table with 10 computers and the students would sit in pairs because that's all we could afford in those days was one desktop for every two students and they would play and use the software. And then all of a sudden, one student would look over at the, at the next and how did you get to do that? Well, let me show you. And another one would say, how did you put the two things? And another, and they would little by little Everybody at those computers could do all the same things because they showed one another what they learned by playing. The point of this is that you're going to have lessons that are going to expect students to use a particular piece of software. And when you sit down with them, they're going to look at the software as an opportunity to play first, to get to know how to use the software. You're going to be looking at what they're doing and wanting to enforce some sort of discipline because you're the adult and they're the child and you want them to learn and they are not ready for that. But you have to give them a chance to play. 
you have to allow them to sit in front of the computer and manipulate the elements in the software. And by manipulating it together with your student, with your child, you're thinking about how can they use this to advance their learning skills. They're learning about how I can use this to get to the next step. What do I have to do to go from A to B to C? They do it by playing and thinking it through, and you do it by watching them and wanting to anticipate. So when you sit down with your students, sit down with your kids, you have to get rid of that preconceived notion that there has to be a goal at the beginning. I'm not suggesting that there won't be a goal down the road, but you have to allow for an opportunity for kids to muck about with the software. Only after they've mucked about with it a little while can they then turn around and accomplish something. But when they're mucking about, you have to be asking yourself, where can I help them go so that they're learning something? What can I have them do or challenge them to do to enable them to learn? And, you know, another thing you have to dispense with is they, you expect you have to be the know-all, the be-all and the know-all. You have to be prepared for them to ask you a question, the answer of which is, let's see together how we can solve this problem. You don't need to learn the software ahead of them. You don't need to stay up an extra hour at night to play around so you can be ahead of them and challenge them. Down the road, you might be thinking about what am I going to ask them to do or how am I going to help them solve this problem. But at the beginning, you can let them teach you because that's what I did with my students. When they were creating these presentations, I asked them, how did you do this? And then I used the knowledge I gained from their experiences to help me with my own learning. And that's what it's all about. You learn together. That's the essence of being the guide on the side. The guide on the side doesn't have to know everything or be able to do everything. I never was a very good artist. Never, ever, ever. I could never draw anything. But I learned how to be a good art teacher and get my students to create good things because I could challenge them and let them play with the materials until they accomplish something. Children have that skill. 
no matter how gifted they are or how challenged they are as learners, they all have that skill, that curiosity. What happens if I touch this? What happens if I go there? What happens if I ask or do? The point is, is to be with them to make sure they're safe. And then down the road a little bit after they've learned the software, to challenge them to accomplish some task. Don't be afraid to let them play around. And don't think there's something wrong with you because they're playing and they're moving faster than you. Because somewhere along the line between the primary grades and the junior grades, we stop being able to play without any goal. We lose that curiosity. But if you're going to succeed with the technology, if you're not too familiar with it, you've got to try to find that again. Play around without a goal until you can see what happens. And then you start formulating your goals. Play around and then find a goal. Good luck.